What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me in the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Um, sorry about the delay here. Had some things going on this week. Uh, check out uh, my latest column on uh, blogging, on, which is really weird, on Denver Stiffs. Uh, I kind of wrote about, there was an article in Defector that kind of made me think about some things. So, uh, be sure and check that out. That's my latest over there. But, um, right, right here are some other thoughts that I've been having recently about your Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets, uh, missed out on the play-in tournament. The, everyone knows my thoughts on the play-in tournament. I'm not, I'm not a big fan. Um, just because I don't feel there's any stakes to, uh, what's going on. Yes, it makes things more competitive, but there's a drawback. And one of the concessions they had to make to make this in-season tournament work, because the NBA has sort of a set schedule. By that, I mean they have a calendar that they have to fit these games into, and you have to take arena availability into account, you know, because there's, like with the Denver Nuggets, there is a co-tenant with a Colorado Avalanche, and then there's concerts and stuff like that. So you have to take all of this into consideration when you're scheduling out things. So when they made the schedule for this year, um, some teams, uh, very specifically your Denver Nuggets, played a very compressed schedule. The Nuggets uh, are 14 and 7 as of this recording and they've played 21 games. Um the they are I think they lead the league in the amount of games played. If not, they are probably tied for first. Um and what has happened since the start of the season in October is the Denver Nuggets have played a very compressed schedule. Um, they play two stretches of uh, seven games in 11 nights. And what this did was, and they've also are, have played, uh, let's see, by the time we get into just past the uh, play-in tournament a time, the Nuggets will have played two uh, five-game road trips, sort of. It would have been scheduled out that way, but they... Um, because of the play-in tournament, the Nuggets are playing again, the uh, Houston Rockets. Um, and what has happened, the, the side effect of this is the Denver Nuggets have played a bunch of games. And by the end of this week, they will have played 23. Tonight, they're going to be playing the, uh, uh, the uh, uh, Los Angeles Clippers. And one of the things that actually is benefiting the Denver Nuggets is they were eliminated from the play-in tournament. If they weren't eliminated, they would have played last night um, or the night before that. And then, obviously, there's the tournament, actual tournament in Vegas, which is, is going to be here soon. Um, where, where I think it's benefiting the Denver Nuggets is that it's giving them a chance to rest, which is something they really haven't had this year and it has probably contributed to their thinking when it comes to rest um and when it comes to recuperating from injury and i definitely think that played into the nuggets thinking with uh aaron gordon and his heel and um jamal murray and his ankle this time not his uh not his hamstring which he seemed to have recovered from Jamal's only played, uh, how many games has Jamal played this year? Nine. Um, so the Nuggets, uh, have, because of this compressed schedule that once again, they were one of the few who had to deal with this playing a quarter of the season prior to this break was really rough 
It is now early December, and the Nuggets play 21 games. Um, tonight will be 22, and Friday will be 23. Um, what it has done is it compressed everything. And that compression is 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 a bad part thing for this start of the season. And I do think it played a direct factor in two of the Nuggets losses. Very specifically, the loss to the Kings. Um, if the Nuggets weren't clearly dead tired, it was the second night of the back-to-back on there after they beat Houston. Um, if it wasn't, if it wasn't for, uh, no, excuse me, not Houston, after they beat uh, the Phoenix Suns. Um, if it wasn't for that, then Nuggets probably don't run out of gas at the end of the game and, and hit more shots. Um, so anyway, these two seven games and 11 nights stretches that the Nuggets have had this year, have that's a 14 of the 21 games they've played this year so far. And in there has been incorporated road trips. And um, one is a bizarre road trip they went on where they, they traversed the country, basically. Miles, miles traversed is a uh, very big metric. The point I'm making is the Nuggets getting eliminated from the play-in tournament has probably, is probably benefiting them in one area that some other teams are not going to be feeling right now, is that the Nuggets are, are having a three-day rest before uh, they play the Clippers tonight. Um, and this is something that they really haven't had this year. I think they had one stretch of the year where they had two days off, I think. I don't think they had more than two days off this, this year. And this has probably allowed them to do some other things. I don't know if it'll allow Jamal to play uh, tonight. They may wait until Houston or after the Houston game um, because the Nuggets have to go back on the road after the after the uh, next week. So the Nuggets are in a weird position and they haven't had any home stretch other than four, a four game stretch earlier early in the year. Um, they've spent a lot of the significant time uh outside of the first 10 games on the road so the nuggets will be benefiting from the rest and this is why this is this is something that i i think people just when they think about the play-in tournament and they think about the or play-in tournament by the in-season tournament and they what they don't really take into account is what it did to the schedule the schedule has been weird this year and the nuggets played a lot of games in a lot of really short time span and that has probably contributed to injury and the injury has contributed to over-reliance on the young guys and Michael Malone talked about it yesterday practice um it is it is a thing as I've been saying all year folks this is just going to be something that people are just going to have to accept the Nuggets issues uh, are because Jamal's injured coupled with the fact that they have to play so many young people. And as good as Peyton Watson has looked in stretches, he also, like in the Phoenix game and the and the Kings game, he had great stretches and terrible stretches at the same time. That's the experience of youth. And this is what I mean by the margin of error that the Nuggets have is basically gone. It's not, it, you don't have the same cushion. You don't have the same trust cushion. And this is something that the Nuggets are just going to have to navigate all year due to decisions made by the front office. This is 100% what it is. So coming back to coming out of the play in the in-season tournament, the Nuggets are going to have 60, there's 61 games left in the year as of right now. Uh, so by the time the in-season tournament is done, there will be 59 games left in the year, which is less 
which is less games than a lot of the other NBA teams. So there is more rest coming to the Nuggets. Uh, also, the All-Star break coming to the Nuggets than maybe there was at the beginning of the year and maybe more than the specifically the teams that are having to do the in-season chart tournament plus travel plus going to Vegas. Uh, this is something that people are not talking about, which I'm, I'm 100%. You got to take this into consideration. It's like when the NBA had the All-Star game in Vegas. What was it? 17 years ago. Um, which was a disaster at the time, and it's one of those le- least talked about things right now. But that 2000, I think it was 2005 uh, trip to Vegas was was not a glory filled moment for the for the NBA. Um, you're now also taking into account these four teams uh, are going to be spending a lot of time in Las Vegas, and obviously there's stuff that comes with that. I won't get into it, but there's stuff that comes with being in Vegas. Everyone knows about that. These teams that come out of it, the Lakers, the Pacers, the uh, uh, Bucks, and um, who's the other team? The Bucks and the Kings uh, are all going to be, not the Kings, the Pelicans. Jeez. And the Pel- all these teams are going to be coming out of this probably a little worse for wear going into the rest of the, at least the immediate future of the uh, regular season. And this is another thing that's going to be playing into that. There's the Vegas hangover that's going to be happening. There's a bunch of things that the NBA just didn't kind of bake in. They're just doing this thing, which is uh, obviously everyone knows this is a gimmick. This is a gimmick to boost ratings, to make things people care about the early part of the season. This is a direct response to the NFL. This is a direct response to players being rested and all that stuff, which obviously is not going to stop people from being rested from uh, early December to late in the year. It's not going to prevent any of that, which the NBA didn't do. But it is uh, certainly done in a spirit of, I think, there's some altruism. There is some crass com- commercialism because they want to sell it. But in order to make this happen, they had to adjust the schedule. And the Nuggets are going to benefit from this. The Denver Nuggets are going to benefit in ways that other teams are not, particularly the teams that are in the play-in tournament. LeBron James definitely wants to win this play-in tournament because, obviously, he wants this as another notch on his belt, blah, 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 his, history, you know, whatever. But the the other teams that are in it are going to be suffering from fatigue coming out of it. And I would not be surprised if all four teams are worse for wear coming out of the play-in tournament. And that is going to be something to watch because it is it is one thing to win an NBA title or go through a playoff stretch and then have nothing left. And it's another thing to go to do this, to expend all that energy, and then come out of it and try to adjust. This is something to watch people. There are these four teams that are going into the play-in, not play-in tournament, the in-season tournament, are going to be a little worse for wear coming out of it. The combination of playing competitive basketball at that high level for for extra money, and the, uh, the part two is Vegas. Those things are going to be influential in how these teams come out of the in-season tournament and play the immediate 
couple weeks after the after it happens. It is something to keep an eye on. I would not be surprised if all four teams slip coming out of it. And that will be something I think everyone needs to keep an eye on. On the flip side of that, the Denver Nuggets are just had their first three-game rest period of the year. Um, then they're going to play the Rockets on Friday, and then they have another little period of rest, and then they make it to the, uh, the rest of the schedule. Um, the Nuggets are going to benefit from this. They're going to benefit by getting Jamal back, hopefully, uh, by having Aaron Gordon rest some more and getting everyone absolutely healthy. I'm sure Nikola Jokic is loving the timeout that he had right now. I am sure that uh, MPJ resting his ankle. I'm sure that all the bumps and bruises that you accrued from having a bunch of games in a short period of time, I think all of that is coming back to be in a better position for the Denver Nuggets. And that's really going to be something to watch going forward. These these Nuggets are uh, going to be more rested than a lot of other NBA teams because the Nuggets played a lot of games before this little tiny break that they had. So I'm going to be watching that, and I'm going to be watching those team four teams coming out of this playing tournament and seeing how they do. All right. Uh, on the second half of the podcast, uh, I'm going to be talking to you more about what's going on with the uh, Denver Nuggets. But first, I'll talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazzy in beautiful lower downtown. Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of Dairy Block. They're always online at bfwcolorado.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. Uh, when you go down there, obviously, you've been hearing me talk about them since 2019. This is one of those things, I, I, like I said before, I don't get paid for doing this. I just read to talk about them because they they are cool and I went down there in 2019 and I really enjoyed it. That's really how simple this is. So anytime I can do this to support local Colorado business, a local Colorado business that I happen to enjoy, I'm going to do it. Uh, they got whites, they got reds, they got Rieslings, they got they got local Colorado wines. Uh, they got wines from Sonoma County in California. Anything you need in your favorite local wine uh, bar, they've got uh, a location in, in uh, northern Colorado and uh, Fort Collins. They got a location, a private location in uh, Golden, and they also have one in the original one in Sonoma County, California. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazzy in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado. Just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of Dairy Block. They're always online at bfwcolorado.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you. You know, one of the things that had occurred to me while I was writing the column that I put out uh, this week on Denver Stiff is that... Uh, this is the 30th anniversary of the 1994 Nuggets. Can you, if you can believe that, this is the 93-94 Nuggets. This is the 30th anniversary of that. Other than making me, personally, Jeff Morton, feel extremely old, uh, it also has kind of... Uh, made me think about milestones and moments in Denver Nuggets history in a way that maybe we didn't think about them prior to the Nuggets winning the title last year. Clearly, the Nuggets winning the title is is going to be number one for everyone and will be forever. Um, you can't beat, beat winning your first title. Um, and the, now that the Nuggets got off the schneid and became the, uh, what is it, the second of the ABA teams to actually win an NBA title, 
it feels like they crossed the 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 hurdle that both Andy Feinstein Andy Feinstein and I really never thought would happen. As I and honestly, if you would have asked me in my honest moments, I would have said the Nuggets probably never win a title um, because the, it's harder. It's really hard to win an NBA title in a, in a, in the NBA. But in the grand scheme of things, the the Denver Nuggets winning that title kind of reshaped their own history. And it reshaped the way we should look at our history. Um, I've said this before, but the Denver Nuggets organization has always had a very weird relationship with their own history. And it's not just the Cronkies. It is, it is uh, Comsat. It is Sidney Schlenker. It is uh, Red McCombs. It is Carl Shear's Consortium. There is just all this, I mean, in, in Ascent Entertainment Group. Uh, Liberty Media, which briefly owned the team for uh, three years, believe it or not, um, bought the bought Ascent in 1997, and then they did it contingent that Ascent sell itself. Basically, is what it was. Um, well, Ascent sell off the Nuggets and the Avalanche and uh, what became Pepsi Center. So, all of the Nuggets iterations of owners have had an issue with celebrating the Nuggets history. The Nuggets have Hall of Famers. They've got Dan Issel. They've got Alex English. They've got um, Bobby Jones, who played here for four years. Um, they've got Dikembe Mutombo. They've got Larry Brown, who was head coach and is a Hall of Famer. You know, uh, you've got this this history that the team has always struggled to grapple with. And I think I think thinking about the 30th anniversary, which I'm going to be I'll be covering it a little on Denver Stiffs. I'll let you know when I write a column about this but the nuggets own unease with their history has translated to fans um there there's almost an, an embarrassment from the organization about everything preceding the cronky era um and and that's coming from the cronkies um, but there's also more of a a lack of willingness to embrace it and there's a very good example of this that predates Stan and stand buying the team in uh, two, 2000. It took a long time for the Nuggets to honor Alex English. I believe he had his jersey retired the same year that he went into the Hall of Fame, which was 1997. Um, the Nuggets' unwillingness to really... I mean, English was gone from the Nuggets in 1990. The Nuggets kind of drug their heels and bringing him back. The Nuggets didn't do everything they possibly could to incorporate him, incorporate Fat Lever, incorporate all the greats of the 80s and the 70s other than Dan Issel, who was brought in to coach the team. There was there was kind of a, a arm's lengthness to it, which really alienated a ton of the players. And that relationship kind of festered for a long time until they brought Alex English back and honored him by retiring his jersey. But even then, it took years before uh, English was fully embraced by the team, and it was really odd. And and the Nuggets, and then at that time, until Nikola Jokic came, he was the, he was the best player in Nuggets history. And it's repeating itself again with Carmelo Anthony. I have gone over this ad nauseum. I'm not going to devote too much time to it right now. 
But in the article I wrote in Denver Stiffs uh, back way back in the beginning of November, um, I pointed out that the Nuggets have kind of done a erasing a part of history thing with with the the uh, Carmelo Anthony era. Carmelo Anthony's been retired since 2022. Um, it's not a long time. I don't know what the Nuggets' plans are with Melo. All I know is that they haven't done anything. They haven't invited him back. And they didn't do much to heal the relationship while he was in the league. It's been it's been a standoffish thing. It's It's got too personal as far as I'm concerned. It's just basketball, folks. And that part has played into who was someone who was really great for this organization. I mean, I'm not going to repeat everything I said. So read my column, but there's this arm's lengthness to the, the Nuggets own history. They have such a reluctance to really look back into their own history and embrace all these players who played, who really are looking for uh, a reason to celebrate. And the reason I'm bringing all this up is the 94 team should have been invited back in the playoffs last year. I don't know if, I mean, Dan Issel came. Uh, he play, He was back, and I believe he shot a free throw in one of the finals. He was happy as a clam. But you have Lafonso Wallace. You got Dikembe Natumbo, who hopefully is hopefully is recovering um, from his um, serious serious uh, bouts. Um, hopefully, they they you know they didn't they need to bring back all of the 94 team. They need to bring back the remaining elements of the 80s teams. You know, Walt Davis died um, last month. Walt Davis was a part, and in fact, he was a key part of the transition from the Schlenker era to the Ascent era uh, because he was both player and did play-by-play. The Nuggets at that time embraced Walt Davis in a way that the Phoenix Suns didn't. And uh, Walt Davis played his best years with the Suns. Um, what what we're seeing right now is that again that reluctance to come to fruition, and the biggest example of which was the Nuggets celebrating their fiftieth uh, anniversary in their fifty first season, which was I mean it may not be a big deal to anyone but me, but to me that shows just all just a kind of a sloppiness, a lack of really caring about it. Um, right now, I believe this is season number 57. Is that, I think 56 or 57. And it is uh, season 57. And yeah, I, I think it is worth exploring the entire stew that made the Denver Nuggets what the Denver Nuggets are. The ups and the downs, you know. To me, the lowest the Nuggets ever got was the early 90s with Paul Paul Westhead and then uh, the post-Issel re- resignation Nuggets um, from Bernie to uh, uh, to uh, Alan Bristow to Dan Issel uh, to Kiki Vandaway. All this, this, this. Here, period post 95. So it is the early 90s from 90 to 92 and then 95 to 2003. There's that little area of the era there, not little, it's actually a very large era there. That wasn't, that wasn't great. And it's hard for this team to look back on 
their low points as much as it is to look at back at their high points. Eventually, this Denver Nuggets team is going to have to reckon with their own history. Um, and one of the reasons these fan base is so disconnected from everything that makes the Denver Nuggets is that the Denver Nuggets have themselves haven't done their past any good service. I mean, there have there was a time, and it was during when the Nuggets were sort of down. It was like 2016, 2017, right around there where they were trying uh, to bring in former former players. Uh, Kenny Martin came in. Allen Iverson briefly came in. Um, I do know that, that the Nuggets attempted to bring Antonio McDyess in. He wasn't interested. Um, and that one's, that one's a relationship that never got healed. Um, and there are, there are things that the Nuggets can do further to celebrate their history. I think the one big blind spot is going to be the Mellow Era. Um, the entire Mellow era, be it from, you know, obviously Andre Miller works sort of where the organization and that with the Grand Rapids gold as their coach. But what the Nuggets need to do is understand that there's not only Mellow, but you have, once again, you have Andre Miller, you have got Marcus Camby, who's come back a couple times. You've got, um, you know, all the players, Edward Nahara, and Esclaza, who's a friend of Josh Kroenke's, that should be an easy get, right? Um, all of these players, you need to be able to have a connection with. And the Nuggets, and this is up to and including George Carl, by the way, who was a great coach for this Denver Nuggets organization. You, regardless of what you think of George, you can't erase a, a ma- almost 10-year portion of your history and I think the Nuggets' reluctance to go to look back at it has a lot to do with Carmelo Anthony and the Carmelo Anthony trade, which is very unfortunate. The Nuggets need to fully embrace their entire history. This is the 30th anniversary of the of the eight over one team. They say eight over one, but it's really when they beat the the Sonics and almost beat the 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 Utah Jazz. One of the most remarkable things. It's historical in NBA history. I think they should probably mention something about that. But in general, the Nuggets need to embrace their history and find themselves a good path to embrace what has be, what this team is in its 57th year. And I hope they do that. All right. Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mordcast. I'm going to be back pretty soon with another All Around the NBA with Trey. Be talking to you then. <laughs>